Hey guys, this is the Damage Control Podcast, and I'm Anthony Angelillo. And I'm Melinda Grimaldi. Are you ready for our next episode? Let's get down to business. Uh, that being said, guys, you know who I, we are. My name is Anthony Angelillo, branch manager over here with the Tag Team, powered by Paramount Residential Mortgage Group, CEO, founder of Tag Team Nation, uh, and co-host of Damage Control Podcast of the Year. Uh, and we've got uh, an amazing amazing episode ahead of us and amazing amazing things that we're doing that we're implementing that melinda and i will be launching very shortly so uh, we thank you all the subscribers that show up uh, and that listen after hours so with that i'll uh, hand it to melinda yes melinda grimaldi real estate title attorney grimaldi law firm the closers title insurance company so excited for today's episode uh we feel like it's really needed uh we're seeing a lot of agents having a hard time given to the conditions of the market, uh, getting their clients under contract. So, of course, even if you do all the things they're going to recommend today, it still is not going to be easy, but let's clean up your offers. Let's make your offer stronger so that uh, we can minimize the amount of times you have to submit those offers, minimize the hours of showings you have to do, and have a happier, smoother process. So, with that being said, uh, Anthony, how are you seeing things different just before we get started? Are you seeing things different on your end with oh offers? God. I know, it, I know you have, that's why I'm asking you to share. <laughs> it is, um, it, it's, it's very, honest to God, it's awesome to see people adapt. They're adapting. Otherwise they know they're going to die in essence. Right. So people adapt in situations that, um, you know, our, our opportunities that adversity is going to bring to them. Uh, we went over that and damage control. What I'm seeing is people that are adapting to the market, the trends of the market uh, nationwide, mind you, because we do a lot of uh, Texas uh, deals as well and, and uh, in California, but it's crazy. What I'm seeing is creativity at its finest. And um, we have taken highlights, uh, Melinda and myself uh, and the team have taken those those highlights and we've implemented everything on paper, put it on paper for you uh, to send out for content. And we're going to go over that. Uh, but some of the key things that I'm seeing, it, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy. I've seen, I've seen inspections being waived. We talked about that in our last episode, which I think is nuts uh, to do that. Um, and we also talked about, you know, appraisals uh, being waived as well. Um, people scrutinizing over programs. I just had this yesterday. And I don't want to go too much in detail to it because I think it's an episode that we can talk about. But, you know, agents just saying FHA is going to be lower. That program is going to determine a lower price to appraisal home. No. So just a lot of things that we're looking at. And um, I have, honest to God, probably the most pre-approvals I've ever had in my entire career. And I don't have the amount of closings I should. So from a data analysis and, you know, a standpoint of looking over numbers, uh, one would think we'd be having crazy record breaking months into the 50 closing range. And we're not because uh, the inventory, the median income is not supporting the inventory that's increasing. Uh, people aren't looking at that data. Um, and then you're going to see more FHA, whether you like it or not, because there's a higher debt to income ratio. So if people's median income is not increasing and inventory uh, buying uh, powers increase, or I'm sorry, the equity levels are increasing, then got no choice but to go FHA because that's a higher debt to income ratio. That 6% that was going to matter, make a breaking deal. So it's interesting to see all of that. It is uh, interesting because at the end of the day, there's still people out there with cash offers, baby. Yeah. 
So I just I just funded a deal right before the show started. Uh, a really nice house in Boca. Uh, the eight, the seller did one of those flat fee listing uh, appointments yeah. or or setups. Uh, where she paid $300 just to get on the MLS. She had a bunch of calls for the following day. Contracts uh, offers, you know, right away. A lot of them were with loans. At the end, she had two competing offers that she looked at. One was cash, one was conventional. She went with cash? She went with cash. I think, you know, it is what it is, right? It's it's guaranteed. Wait, it's never guaranteed, but it's more guaranteed than, than otherwise. So it is what it is at this stage. So um sometimes there aren't cash offers sometimes we are looking at uh two loan like last minute decisions right on on the last two competitive offers so we want yours to be in that group and we're gonna try to uh help help get you there so let's get cracking um the first thing i mean as an agent you know i saw a meme yesterday that said like the face you make when the other agent knows what they're doing. And it was like one of those kind of funny faces. <laughs> funny or what? It, it was funny. And, and I, I giggled about it because we had that experience too. Right. Um, there's a, there's a few types of agents. There's the ones that know what they're doing, been doing it for a while, very experienced. There's the ones that um, don't know everything, but know that and ask for help. And then there's the ones that don't know everything because we don't all don't know everything, right? Unless you've really been in the industry for a long time. And then there's the ones that don't know everything, but like act as if, and then don't ask for help and then really make it difficult, right? For it, Like you make it harder on yourself. So like going in, being honest about where you know and what you don't know with the professionals around you definitely helps you get across better. So one of the first, the first, first expression of your profession, your professionalism of who you are is going to be that offer that you present. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't think your offers are hundred percent on point, we have classes. We teach them all the time uh, on, on preparing offers. Make sure you take one of those classes, please. Um, because it's a reflection on who you are as a professional. And at the end of the day, if it's exactly the same, but you have a sloppy situation on your offer, but the, the price is the same, the loan amount is the same. They're going to take the clean offer over the messy offer because that the clean, clean professional, you know, correctly filled out offer is going to say, well, this realtor is, is, is a better professional. They look like they have their, you know, what better together. I'm going to go. I, I suggest as your agent to go with this one, since they're exactly the same. Yeah. Let me, let me elaborate on that too. So what I, what I am seeing. And so we're not real estate agents, right? But we've been doing this long enough that we analyze, Melinda and I, we're always, you know, trying to absorb all the information, reading books uh, and, and articles and just trying to master our craft even better. But what I am seeing, okay, as a lender, um, I am seeing buyer's agents not physically following instructions that the listing agent is, 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 is literally mandated. And I've seen emails come back with all parties involved in the email saying, please follow instructions. You've just literally lowered yourself down on the totem pole. That's just my humble opinion. Uh, whether you agree or disagree, I, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you're not scoring any brownie points with the listing agent if you're just going to half-ass it that way and and not follow uh, you know instructions properly. So for sure. And um, I mean, a hundred percent. But let, let's you know. So that's like the first impression, right? But let's talk about the offers on paper. 
I don't know if you guys realize, but every line that requires something to be added has a star on it. Yeah. Right. So go through before you submit that offer to your client, never mind the agent, go through, make sure everything's filled in because if it's not, that's a ref- like, you know, that's a problem. I actually have a contract that we're supposed to close next week on. It's a commercial one. Nevertheless, it's, there's like 15 blanks. <laughs> Here's my thing. I don't under, what drives me nuts. You but are- but what, what you got to do, if you don't understand, hang on, let me, I'm going to cut you off for a second, because if you don't understand how to do it, we're here to help. There's people that can help you. There's your brokers. There's classes. I help my agents all the time. And I rather you come to me first, say, Hey, how do I roll with this? Can you look at it before I get it signed before I submit it? Um, we're happy to do that. Like you guys got to use your resources to make sure you know how to do it. Because what happens is one box checked off or not checked off or something, it can make or break the, the situation later on even if you pass muster and get your offer accepted, because sometimes there's other agents that don't like, you know, there are types of properties that are not, not as um, competitive right now. There are yeah. certain things that are not, you know, depending on where you are, there's certain challenging. Pro- so sometimes people will take whatever they can get, but there's, there's things that need to be fixed and we're not doing it to make fun. We're doing it to say, use your resources. So that's, Please. That's, that's, so making your offer clean as possible. That is number one. Okay. If you want to write that down, you'll get this content afterwards, but that comes with talking to your title attorney, Melinda, hopefully, and having your contract be clean, man. And if there's stuff that you don't know as a buyer's agent, or maybe you do know, and you just need to validate that question, that is why you're using the resources, especially on the lending side. My rock star agents, one of them who's on right now, okay, we're, we have a situation, but it doesn't mean that she's in one end of the room, I'm in the other, and, and we're just going to not figure it out. We're collaborating, we're talking to listen agent, we're making sure that the, you know, we're solving the issue. Prior to, to placing a bid, DUs need to be clean. We'll go over that in detail, but no sloppy DUs. If your lender is maxing out ratios and not showing you know, assets, oh, we don't need it. We got plenty of money. Show the 401k asset, man. That's strength. That's buy. That's that's gonna that's gonna show a validation of that buyer. I mean, if they got a half a mil in a 401k and they've got you know 50 grand in the bank and that covers everything, show it. You need to show it. All right. Don't half-ass it and say we don't need to put it on DU. DU is what these listing agents are, are looking at. So clean means all around, not just you as a buyer's agent. I'm talking about the people that you're working with as well. Definitely, definitely. And the reputation of those people, right? So that's that's a huge thing. Um, okay, so there's a lot of things you could do to your offer on paper. Uh, if you have a client anticipating um, a long inspection period, seller concessions, things like that. Those are just, they're going to bite you in the butt and having that conversation up front and having realistic expectations so that you're submitting offers that are actually competitive. Right, Anthony? Yes. You guys don't want to be working for nothing. You're already in a competitive market. You don't want to be submitting offers that you know are not going to get accepted. You need to put your clients in their place in a very nice way to say, this is not going to work. Here's a highlight real quick. I don't want to go off topic. Yesterday, client doesn't send 401k. 
doesn't send the gift funds from mom. Why do I need that for a pre-approval? I need that for a clear to close. Bullshit. If a good listing agent watches the DU and there's a gift on there, which we put, we're not going to lie and say the checking account's already spiked. They're going to ask, where's the proof of funds from mom, right? Show me that. That should be presented already in that offer, right? I'm taking a proactive approach. So it's little details like that that are going to win over and not have the listing agent question. People question on FHA because they're for low, moderate income buyers. Bullshit, okay? You can have great credit and you can really take advantage of three and a half percent. And maybe, you know, it might be more beneficial to go FHA in some cases with 10% down, avoiding mortgage insurance after 11 years. Maybe that's the, the move that person wants to make. But there's a stigma about FHA and conventional. So, okay, if it's presented, like Melinda says, it's how you present it. I say what you say, you know, that's uh, how you deliver it, basically. That's the concept. We're saying that delivering that is very important. Okay, very let's, let's go to our next uh, point uh, here that we have. This one's this one. Um, you added this one, Anthony, and I, I. It's actually a really good one. Uh, avoiding asking for personal property to be yeah. included, guys. <laughs> I just had this. There, if a- you have apples for apples, right? <laughs> apples for apples, same dollar amount, same loan amount, same escrow deposit amount, but you have one borrower or one potential buyer asking for a slew of furniture that's to be included wait till after yeah get under contract if you really want something and try to negotiate it in there you're buying a house it's not a yard sale man like stop with the furniture the piano and this one nobody wants that i mean if it's there it's there not in this market though if you start negotiating that i just feel like that defeats the purpose. We're buying a house. You know what I mean? You're, you're going to piss off the listing agent. And not only that, first of all, you don't really want the, the, it to be on the, the contract to begin with, because it could oh. cause an issue with the loan and then da, 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 da. so it has to be a separate than them anyway. So try to negotiate it later on, maybe during an inspection period. If you see a few things, maybe you say, okay, throw me in the golf cart. Like I did when I was trying to purchase my house last year, <laughs> throw me in your golf cart, please. Uh, it didn't work. Did you, you we, didn't we got the credit. Right? We got a credit instead of a golf cart, but whatever. Uh, I, I would have preferred the golf cart, you know, because it was a brand new one. It was so nice. Anyways, I digress. Uh, he had a thing, right? So he didn't want to uh, let go of that. So if you would have put that in the beginning, if I would have put that as part of my offer, yeah. I want the golf cart. Yeah. Well, then. Um, yeah. that's an issue. So yes, it has to be outside of the transaction. Even if it is going to be done, you really don't want, because then what happens, Anthony, it ends up turning into something that has to be evaluated. Right. And how much of the purchase price goes towards the furniture versus the real estate. Right. Property. You could do as, as you're saying, you could do outside addendums. Yes. All day long, do outside addendums. We don't want to hear that. We want to see it. Uh, that's just, just as good as saying, Hey, we're going to replace the roof. What, what are we asking? What, what is the roof bad? Like we're opening up a Pandora box. So like I said, it's how you deliver the goods, man, and how you're going to present it to that listing agent. All presentation, everything, and sales, period. Okay, next. Offer above asking. Highest and best, people. Don't F around. What are you seeing on your end for closing? A lot of people going above uh, appraisal. So I... Well, the, I'm seeing a lot of those clauses being added about appraised value, but I am, I, I'm not really in the loop about what was offered versus what was offered because I don't see when that part. Close, when you close it, do you see like if they're going? 
I'm over seeing a lot of buyers paying over appraised value. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me um, too. Out of everybody. But you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to understand because if all these houses are closing higher, why are we still having like these appraisal issues? I don't know if you have any feedback on that, Anthony. I don't know. Because um, we're, we're getting the inventory now being closed at these higher above asking price amounts. So like, how soon will those valuations be increased? Or are the appraisals saying, whoa, 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 guys, take it easy. That's on you if you're paying more. I, I'm not going to, I'm going to. I'm going to give my professional opinion and, and it could be people could agree or disagree to it. But what I think and, and what I see is you've got equity level soaring right now. And the issue is, is they're going off the income approach, right? So if Joe and Frank and Irene down the block just sold their house for X, that's what they're going to use. Their comparables are X, Y, and Z. Just because someone bought it for cash and you know it's got all the bells and whistles, it's based on the closed you know, assessed value, yes. And that could be a comparable, but they're going to take the average and they're going to be adjusted. And what we're seeing is they're taking more of a conservative approach. So is that good? Um, I, you know, we've got our own panel of appraisers. They're located here. I've worked with them multiple times. So there's no conflict of interest, but what I am seeing is they're extremely conservative and nine times out of 10, it will usually hit most of the time it's going to be either below and then they're going to have to make an adjustment and come out of pocket uh, for the difference so what we're doing is we're going above asking price but now listing agents are seeing that saying no we want something in writing saying that you're going to pay x over appraised value or we'll go into an escalation clause or you know remove that appraisal um, so there's different ways to approach that um, and I'll go into that with you later on, but I, I, I just, you know, it, it's, do I see it adjusting? Yeah, of course I do. I, I, I hope, you know, I, I really do hope because we're going to be in that pickle um, all too often. And I'm trying to avoid that by doing more of a proactive approach with the agent up front and saying, what are your comps? Like, do you think it's going to hit? And then getting on the phone with a listing agent and saying, hey, where's your justification? Well, send us your highest and best. Dude, where, what is the highest and best? You know what I mean? two weeks from now, I don't want to be in the same damn position. And now I've got a client that I just lost because I've pissed off and now I don't have any deal. So it's interesting. It's very interesting how that's going. Are you seeing people go down in budget to be able to afford this extra like cash that they're going to need to put down? In in Texas, they're buying the Taj Mahal for 280000 Right, but we're not in Texas, right? Here, here, there's no inventory that can go down right now for the locations they're looking at. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen some scenarios saying we've got to be more conservative because we don't have that money. I've seen a lot of gift funds, a lot of gift funds. Um, and I'm seeing, like I said, people being forced placed into going FHA because there's a higher debt to income, but nobody's considered, they're not... The, the buyer's agent listing agents don't think that. They just straight off the bat, oh, low, moderate income buyer. That's, we don't want it. They, they have no choice. Even if their credit's good, their ratios aren't working because their income's not supporting the property. See? So it's, it's, it's really something that, you know, we- Okay, we so let's keep finding ways to make this a little bit easier, right? So the, uh, yeah. the next point is to put down a stronger deposit, right? 
as we always say in my family, money talk, bullshit walks. <laughs> Who says you bad mom? Yeah, my dad's line. <laughs> I like that line. I use it all the time. Um, the reality is it's true, right? All, everything else equal, whoever has more money in the pot is going to have a stronger suggestion. So, and don't tell me this. If you, if you have a VA buyer, don't tell me this BS that, oh, it's zero. Doesn't matter. You still need a deposit. You still need a strong deposit. Yeah, just right? have that. Yeah. It's it's gonna be turned away because no matter what, you gotta you gotta you're gonna have closing costs. And yes, there's the occasional scenario where the closing costs will be wrapped up in the loan, but you still gotta put money down to get your offer accepted. Then the buyer gets refunded, right? At closing, with if there's extra money left over after all those things are wrapped up. So guys, make it strong. But yeah. then if you're gonna make it strong keep your tight. You got to be super tight on those deadlines, right? Because we're not talking about a thousand, two thousand dollar escrow, even five thousand. You're going to need more than that in these days. I, I'm, I'm seeing ten thousand. One to two, one to three percent on the purchase price is what they're putting down. Um, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot. I'm of seeing like 20. I'm seeing wow. th- this, this cash deal that we just did, wow. we closed today, 40,000, 20 up front, 20 in escrow, tw- 20 after inspection. That's cash, but yeah, that's, but that's, that's ca- but the reality is that cash should be available. Anyways, everyone's going to be putting at least 30, 20, whatever it is. So use that, you know, yeah, in there to make it, you know, right now, this is not for the weak of heart. You're not going to have those mm, buyers. You got to have those. You're going to have, if, if use your energy on the buyers, like I got to get in the house, I got to go in that school zone. I got to move to Florida and start my job. I got to, you know, those are like, yeah, let's go take a look and see what's out there. You're going to waste your time because they're not going to be aggressive and you need to have those buyers be aggressive. Or do what I did yesterday and inform and educate uh, the consumer of why we needed the gift fund letter signed right now. I wanted to show (laughs) that to know that, look, we got everything in order. It's fully underwritten. Um, if you're putting a larger down deposit and your, your buyer is saying, that's too much, why do we have to do it? You need to know how to sell that and close that and now inform and educate what's going on in the market. As a buyer's agent, if they don't do 10 or 20,000 or something that's going to be aggressive, you need to inform and educate. That's, that's my opinion. Question, can gift funds be used for escrow? Um, it's for closing costs. So yeah, I mean, it, it, they're one of the same. So, so yeah. I, for example, to make the stronger, you know, deposit, they might need that gift fund to make the stronger deposit. So they so had the wire mom. wire going straight from mom to escrow to, to closing agent. Here's the gift letter. The easiest way to do that wire Melinda. Okay. Show the, the donor's ability, which is the bank statement, sign the gift letter. You're done. You don't, that way you don't need a paper trail. It's the easiest way. Never get a, a paper trail of both. That's a messy way of doing it. Wire it straight to the title company. I agree. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, if you can do that, go ahead. That's great. And that, but make sure you're documenting everything so that you're presented that to the listing agent. If they say, oh, gift, uh-oh, you know, people are right, no, right off the bat, they're going to discriminate all. Oh, do they have money or they broke? No, it's just, you know, they're leveraging money and families contributing. There's no, no big deal there. Right. Okay. What else? Yeah. We got waiving the appraisal contingency. So let's talk about appraisals, right? We already kind of been been touching that um, in the in the last few uh, you know episodes and earlier in the show. The reality is buyers are putting more money down, uh, even if you feel confident with the with the a price and what it will appraise at. 
uh, adding that appraisal contingency is the issue. So, you know, why people also don't like VA FHA loans right now is that those writers automatically include the appraisal contingency mm. versus you're right you're versus so you need a proactive statement saying something about appraised value if you want to you know uh otherwise it's like you're you're submitting an appraisal contingency so something to think about on there and then by adding a proactive statement saying uh, the buyer will agree to pay if they are obviously whatever amount above appraised value. Now, uh, in a conventional, you add the, the the best strategy to really keep a, an appraisal contingency is to have the appraisal contingency added to the contract. Um, if you don't have it, you know, as long as you're within your loan approval period, you you could still get it. You could still get your loan denied and then get your get deposit back, you know, with that strategy. You work closely with your loan officer, say, okay, the property didn't appraise, we're within our 30 days of loan approval period. Great, deny the loan. And it's still technically contingent because you can't get the loan without the appraised value. So there's ways to work it, but you gotta be on top of your deadlines again, right, Anthony? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you just gave me something to think about. <clears throat> I think everyone needs to inform and educate on, on the differences between FHA and, and conventional. I, I talk to so many listing agents and every the words that come out of their mouth just make me cringe when I hear FHA is going to comp lower. They're more stringent on you know appraisals. Dude, we're talking four burner stoves and gate around you know, community, all that stuff. So at the end of the day, um, waiving appraisal contingencies to get back on topic. Um, what I am seeing is a lot of them, uh, and I know that the next question over here is the escalation clause, not to jump. If I'm going to do one of them, we just had this scenario, and it closed uh, last Friday. Vera, who's actually on our show, she closed it. There was a scenario that there was an escalation clause for 560. I then got everyone on the phone, and I said, look, you're showing the cards to the seller that you're going to 560, so you're not hiding anything. You're willing to go up to 560. The comps aren't supporting it. You just told me they're not. I did runs of comps and it, I don't think it, the thing's gonna even appraise for 510, um, never mind 515 where they thought. So I said, why don't you just do waive the appraisal contingent? You'll pay up to 545. Everyone agreed. And sure as you know what, it came in at 510, the appraisal. So 5,000 below where a marker was. So it was an extra five grand. We anticipated that and everyone closed. Escalation clauses or appraisal contingency, I'll say appraisal contingency every single time, but I would be very, very um, meticulous of how you write that offer. Uh, and I would speak to your title attorney or attorney representing you uh, and make sure that you have a way out. Um, is it still inspection contingency, clean title? Uh, and then you still have your finance and uh, contingency as well. So even if the appraised value comes in lower, and there's assets cash to close, you still have an exit per the financing contingency as well. All right. Nobody put that in writing saying that, you know, if it doesn't appraise that you're going to have to pay out of pocket. So my play on that is waive the appraisal contingency. You're good. If you put it in writing, now you're SOL if that goes to litigation, right? Am I wrong or right? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, if you put something in writing, then you got to stick to it. So you're going to have no choice but to go by what you said, right? So that it is what it is. And it's super important to make sure that your buyer understands what's agreed to in writing must be later followed. Now, there are other outs, but you, you need to know that if you pass those outs or if those outs are no longer available, it is what it is. Right. So I saw people agreeing to like 50 grand over appraised value and later it was a short appraisal and they had to come to the table with that extra money, you know, and then they were trying to find their way around it. And they got it. They got a few grand off the top just to make it happen. The sellers are like, whatever, but that's, I'm seeing that more and more where buyers are like, wait a second, wait, 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 you know? And that's the thing. I'm not trying to sit here and manipulate the system. I'm just saying, <clears throat> if I'm going to choose as a buyer's agent, I'm going to waive the appraisal contingency. Where, <clears throat> where's my hard stop? Where Have that conversation with your, your buyer. Um, and, and then you've got an exit because you're not putting something on paper. If I say 10,000 over asking price and it comes in 25,000 below asking price, dude, that's going to be a battle, man. Like, yeah, not definitely. A and if I'm a listing agent, oh, you've waived the appraisal contingency psychologically, they think it's a validation. Like, oh, this person has money. Okay, great. Um, I just think collaboration is key in this situation. This is very difficult. That's a topic that is, you know. For sure. For sure. Um, of course, you know, the last point is if they can pay with cash, pay with cash. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But some people might not want to pay with cash. They might not want to tie up all their funds, but the reality is they could always refi the funds out. Right. Anthony. So like close, get organized, get as aggressive as you can, and then pull the equity out after closing, whenever the time is right, depending on the loan type you're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, rates might be less attractive, but that's all right. Um, it depends because it's based on loan to value as well. Credit, all of that stuff. Um, you know, it really depends. There's, there's season and turn times as well. Right. A six months, I believe it is. So, you know, it, it really, is there depends. a seasoning for conventional? Yeah. That's Fanny. Six months. Oh, that's... I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain it's six months. I'm, I'm like, gotcha. Gotcha. Now. Gotcha. <clears throat> All right. So there you have it. Those are our points uh, of, uh, of, Oh wait, there's your there's offer. Oh, there's a more, there's a more go ahead, Anthony. I, I didn't oh, so... scroll down. Yeah, there, there's actually a couple more. <clears throat> so we've got <clears throat> pay with cash, which we just talked about. Um, I put on there making larger down payment. We did talk about this with VA a little bit. Yes. Uh, I do think a larger down payment um, from financial, like our financial aspect, uh, if they're doing um, a condo, especially, I, I'm going to highly suggest 25%. All right. But if they're doing a single family home and you know, they're doing 5% down, I would say, look, let's just make it 10. If they have the money, some people want to leverage. Uh, some people don't want to liquidate. I get that. I'm one of those people. But if I'm a listing agent, I think that is going to really attract a listing agent because it shows that you're, you're really um, supporting the, the fact that you have things in order, that you're financially backed up with assets. Um, I just, it's a good financial position to show that you're going to put more down. Um, and I am so against it. So it's, it's hard for me to say that, but in this type of market, like I said, you've got to adapt. Uh, we've got so many pre-approvals. How are we getting them out? How are we pushing the finish line? Otherwise we're not going to have any deals. Uh, it's, it's trying to get creative, like with that aspect and, and uh, meeting all financial obligations by showing the 
the listing agent, look, they've got assets, they've got a 401k, they're willing to do 20% down right now, uh, put hard money in escrow, you know, up to 10, 20,000. What is it going to take? You know, so that delivery is, is, is key. Love it. Love it. Love it. <clears throat> The next point here is talking about post-occupancy. You want to touch on that? Or I'll give you this point. This, um, just like your buyers are having a hard time finding someone, usually the sellers need to find somewhere to go as well. So by allowing uh, some post-occupancy or having that communication, like should buyer need post-occupancy or if it's a requirement, in the MLS that it's going to be there, having that conversation or expectations that to allow a seller to, to stay after closing. We never really liked that, but nowadays I'm seeing it more and more. Almost every single file is having some sort of post-oc situation. And uh, so, so I think that that's, that's actually a really good point you added there, Anthony. Yeah. So why I added that is a, a listing agent that we're actually working with right now. You and I both, we closed on uh, prior gave me that idea. And I asked him, like, why, why'd you do that? I'm curious. And he said, because a lot of lenders are failing to close. So then I'm obligated for my sellers that it's a contractual obligation for him because it's con contingent on the sale of the home to buy their house. So he doesn't want to have the whole thing crumble. And now he's to blame. I'm like, wow, that's really, really cool to think of it that way. This guy's like forward thinking at its finest. So I think that's great. I think I think everyone should do that. You're protecting your listing. Uh, I'm sorry, your your seller as a listing agent, and from a buyer's agent standpoint, uh, one should consider that too because it gives time. Uh, if it's taken longer to close instead of closing in 21 days, I'm okay with that. All right, I, I'm all notorious about this 21 day close, but if it's 30 or 45 days, um, very very important to do something like that. I love it. I love it. I like it. It's, it's the reality. And if, even if they are under contract for a purchase right away and they're, and they're contingent, so they're waiting on that by having that, it gives them cushion. So if there's a delay, they could stay also, you know what it is for a seller <laughs> in this market or any market to like rush to pack everything up, get out of the house. And then last minute there's delay yeah, or a cancellation. There's a question here from a legal standpoint. I mean, look. Hang on. Not everyone sees the question, Anthony. So let's, <coughs> let's ask the If a seller stays after closing with no security deposit or damage agreement left behind, are they responsible for damages? That depends on what was signed, what was agreed to. Um, and there is a risk that they do damage more than what the escrow holdback would be also. Um, the reality is most people wouldn't damage a property like that, but- uh, it, it's a possibility or there's a possibility that they don't leave when they're supposed to leave. So then you have to evict. There's always that risk. It's the, always obviously the understanding. Uh, you have to explain those options to the buyer so that they know what the deal is and, and what, what their exposure is. The, the reason, just so everyone's clear on this, the reason why this gentleman did this is to add, add, add a buffer, okay, for both sides uh, of the transaction. That way nobody's left behind because it's contingent on the funds needed to close on their property. Um, and that's, that's the reason they did that um, as well. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing also just to, you know, um, give this observation, home warranty deeds, like, like Kashan is doing that right now too. So shout out to her. I think that's genius. You know, seller uh, home warranty um, is, is, is amazing. That's an incentive for the seller uh, for any, you know, plumbing electrical issues or, you know, AC units 
Um, that's that's pretty outside the box thinking. So so kudos to her, and I and hopefully we have a, a contract this morning. I think it got accepted. Uh, so it's just it's just being creative, guys, and and really going outside the box to look at um, ways to to strengthen the uh, the presentation of uh, what you're trying to offer, right? And if you can get a hint somehow, whether it's from the listing, from a conversation with the listing agent as to what really the pain point for that seller is mm, yeah. and working that angle. So if it's post-occupancy, if they've had several canceled files because of this or they're concerned of that, whatever it is, if you can pick up something by just paying attention then using that, right? So it's like anything in sales, they say, you know, you're having a conversation, you pick up what the pain points are and using that to uh, to basically get your deal done, you know? So, uh, and having that that edge like that we're all, they're all looking at, you know? Absolutely. Listening and having that edge, it's all, it's, it's extremely important. Yep, so. yep. <clears throat> Good stuff. Uh, do you want to regroup and recap us, Anthony, as we uh, are wrapping up with our agenda? So bottom line, everything needs to be clean. All right, clean data in, clean data out. I'm all about that as we are this morning cleaning our data for our leads and scoring things and making sure everything's you know collectively together and, and uh, more uh, helicopter view on, on, on how we're running business. So you as a buyer's agent, make sure that you are taking the time and not rushing. And I know that it's a frenzy out there and I know that things need to be done prior. If I am in your shoes, all right, and I am not one to say this, but I will say it on record, because um, it took me a long time to figure this one out. I am like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I am, we all know that Ant is that way, uh, but I've stepped back and maybe it's because I'm getting older, I guess, but I've stepped back, I've analyzed the situation and what I think is the right way is prep your buyer, man. Get things ordered, get docs in, get DU in, maybe even underwrite the file, all right? If your lender's not doing that, underwrite the file. Uh, set proper expectations, and it will be, you'll execute faster. There's no, there's no, there's no secret sauce. I mean, that, that is it. That's really what you should do as a buyer's agent up front uh, is prep, order everything, and then, you know, run DU and get things uh, in order and make sure, you know, title is uh, uh, all set with uh, Melinda. The next thing is avoiding any of uh, the obstacles that you're going to see, which, you know, we just went over. Uh, their cheat sheet will go out. I would look at that. Uh, and then the final thing that I'm going to end with is, is make sure the DU is presented from a lender standpoint. Anyone that has a half a brain that's a listing agent, that's a good listing agent, they're going to look at that. So do not have your lender um, just send in something that is just missing, uh, you know, missing assets or even assets or submission runs of 18 or debt to income ratio of 49.99 you're not winning anything over that. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. And then like, like I always say, those are pre-approval letters. Do you, they're just as good as the paper that they're written on. Like who's yeah. issuing that. If you have a buyer insisting on using a bank, yeah. yeah, I will choose a lender over a bank any day. If it was my listing, if it was my property, uh, because you're, you're more likely to close on time more, even more so if it's a condo, but really in anything, you're more likely to close on time. If you're using a direct lender, that's my personal opinion. Um, I see it all the time. Uh, 
in our day-to-day closing preps, the ones with the banks need more time. The ones, you know, it's just, it is what it is, guys. So it, you, you telling that to your clients, not because you're trying to steer, like, do you want, do you want your offer to get accepted? Yes. Okay. Here's what you got to do. You got to get a different lender because there is a bad taste in the mouth of the industry for these banks. And that's just the reality. They're not efficient. They're not on the same page. There's different departments that are very disconnected. So that creates slowdowns. That creates bad news coming the day you're supposed to close all the time. Uh, So it's a little tip there that I really think I strongly urge you guys to sway your buyers away from big institutions or online. It's a a bureaucracy. There's just, there's a lot of red tape. That's what we say. Um, I never want to undermine the the competition, but I mean, you know, but I I can. (laughs) (laughs) The the reality is, is in this industry, we we work so hard to get to a closing table, right? And all that energy to, to find out something that would have been known before closing or something that should have been known in the beginning of the process. We are now at the final days and being told or the day of closing or after three extensions, you can't close because of something that should have been known, right? Certain yeah. things take time to collect data, but there are certain things that should have been known. There are certain things that don't need to wait so long to order. Why are we doing that? That's, that, that's, that's just the, the nature of the industry that we wait on other people to get stuff for us. And sometimes when there's this big bureaucracy, it slows it down even further. Yeah. So with that, give these tips, expectations to your clients. Uh, consider them when you're sitting down to prepare an offer. And if you are a damage control subscriber and need help with your offers, I'm happy to set up little mini workshops for you guys where we could have more Q&A about with the as this contract and go over questions um, with you guys. So just send us that information um, and we will uh, find different times where we could do little mini workshops where you guys just jump on and we uh, answer Q&A for that. And, and, and make sure your lender is, look, I'll give you one secret, write this down, get your pen and paper to, together. Go do yourself a favor and get either Vidyard or BombBomb and create a video and then email the buyer's agent or listen, I'm sorry, listed agent. So that way they can correspond with the, the seller and deliver that message. I don't know why nobody does that, but I'm seeing everything that's written down. That's a whole novel. That's great. It's clean. It's neat. All of that could be all in one video that's going to get passed on to the seller and the seller can now have an emotional attachment or that connection might be different. That, that, that's what I am doing. And it's working uh, from a lender standpoint, maybe the buyer's agents need to hear that. And uh, you know, that goes into the presentation as well. I, I think, and I believe that, that, body language and tonality is important, right? Definitely, for sure. All right, guys. So that's uh, a wrap of episode 55. Hope you found it useful. Remember, our show is free for agents. So if you are a subscriber and enjoy what you hear or have learned something new, make sure to share the show with your friends and that are also in the industry. And we'll be adding new ways you can stream the show in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. And again, reminder, if you need help with your offers, we're always here to support you. Um, and we'll create little mini workshops to review those offers together. Uh, anything else you want to add, Anthony? Or is that a wrap? And finish strong. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, guys. First of the month, new month, new quarter. Let's do it.
You, let's let's do it. All right. Have a Take good care. one. Take care. Bye.